Are they here? As your advisor, I feel compelled to communicate my hesitation about this meeting. Do you even know these men? We do not. So why even take a meeting with them? They are stargazers. They are Gentiles. These men have valuable information. We play our cards right. They will help us infinitely more than we can help ourselves. Send them in. Gentlemen, greetings. Welcome. Welcome. My staff tells me you've come a long way. This is true. We've come from the east. Is that right? And I trust your journeys have not been too difficult. They're like most journeys. Some good, some bad, but mostly long. <laughs> so tell me... As a man who doesn't do much journeying myself anymore, what is it that would inspire men such as yourself to undertake such a long trip? Well, as I'm sure you know, word has been spreading about the birth of a Messiah. We witnessed his star, and so we have come to worship him. Is that right? A new Messiah. I must admit, I feel a little silly. This is the first I'm hearing of this. It's said to be in a place called Bethlehem. Do you know where we could find this place? Lucky for you, Bethlehem is only about 10 miles away. 10 miles? Ah. That's such a relief. After so many miles, ten seems just around the corner. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I know you're eager to resume your journey and witness this new Messiah firsthand, but please, before you go, allow me to be a good host and offer you a drink. To the Messiah. To the new king. Would you do me a favor? Of course. Once you have found this new king, would you come back and tell me exactly where he is so that I might have the opportunity to go and worship him myself? Consider done, King Herod. Safe travels. I told my son last week that I was going to be preaching on Herod, the bad guy. He said, it's all right, Mom, you can do it. I said, well, I appreciate that. He said, you know, you're the bad guy. <laughs> well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, listen, we were, we were talking about this series, this Christmas series that was coming up, and... Um, 
there are kind of different themes each week, different characters to look at in a Bible story. And Herod is not one that you usually see or hear about getting his own special Sunday. He's, you know, kind of the bad guy in the story. He's not somebody that you want to dwell on. Definitely his part that he played in the Christmas story is not one that you generally perform um, as part of the Christmas pageant, right? How many of you in here have been a shepherd in a Christmas play? I, too, will raise my hand because there were times when we were short on boys. Um, how many of you have been married? Anybody been married? Yeah, any girls been married? Yeah, some of you I know have because I made you be married. Uh, Joseph, right? Any of you? Have, baby Jesus. Any of you were born when there's been several girl babies who played baby Jesus, right? Yeah. So, listen, we've, we've been around the Christmas story a lot in our lives. If you've been in church, you've been around it, you've participated in the Christmas story. I doubt that any of you have played Herod in the Christmas pageant, right? And so today we're going to dive right into the story of Herod and see what we can unlock about the story of our coming Savior by looking at this man and the part that he played somewhat. So we're going to look, go straight into the Word today. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 is where we find the story of Herod laid out. Now there were lots of Herods. If you go through history, you'll find more than one. Um, this particular one, obviously, was a king. What we need to know about him is that he is an outsider. He was called king of the Jews, but he was given that title because the Jews were still in exile. They were scattered around in different places, and he was appointed as an outsider to be the king of the Jews. And so he was not a part of the Israel community. And so he would know about these prophecies and these stories, but he would not have a working knowledge of them. And so when he would hear this story of the coming Messiah, you'll hear in here that he asked the chief priests and stuff to come because he needs some confirmation on it. And so he was an outsider in this whole story that took place. So let's look at Matthew. I'm going to ask that you bear with me because I want us to, to hear this and hear the word of the Lord as he lays it out for us in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Christ who was to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled that the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod said that he had been out, saw that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Let's pray really quickly this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is found in it. Lord, we pray today that you would open our eyes even more clearly to see the hope and truth of the good news of the gospel through the story of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, listen, I have found, and I would think this realization has become so heavy upon me in the past month and a half, and that is that life is messy and it is traumatic and it is full of evil and hardship and death. And man, that just sits heavy right, right there on you, right? But I don't know about you, but in the past couple of months, life has seemed to sit heavy. I have, in, in a two-week time span, we had the death of a former student. I had the death of a close childhood friend. And those things, man, they just sit heavy on you. And yet, in the middle of life, in the middle of every hard, uncomfortable, tragic thing, hope always seems to bloom right in the middle of it. The same day that we found out about the death of our student, my friend and coworker found out that her daughter, who had been wanting to have a child for a very long time, was pregnant. There on the same day that we suffered death, Life was confirmed. Within days of finding out that my friend's cancer had returned, I heard that my uncle, who has, was given a terminal diagnosis three years ago, was told he would not live more than a year. In the same week that I found out my friend's cancer returned, I found out that my uncle, who we have been praying for diligently for three years, they, they, can't, they won't say your cancer's gone, you know. But they said, we are no longer treating you as a terminal patient, but as just someone who is chronically ill. And the cancer can't be found. In the same span of time, man, life is messy and tragic and beautiful all at one time. And man, that is hard to reconcile. It's so hard to reconcile that while there was a generation of young boys being killed at the hand of an angry king, there was a savior being preserved and saved so that he could come and save us all. Man, that is tragic and beautiful all at the same exact time. And boy, isn't that hard to reconcile sometimes. 
Oh, the gospel is good news, but sometimes it is hard news. And it clearly says that it will confound those who do not understand it. It's impossible to explain to someone who has not had an experience with the salvation of Jesus Christ how you can find hope in the midst of tragedy and turmoil, how beauty can be transformed from ashes. It's impossible to explain that to a world that is painstakingly suffering away until they can experience the hope of Jesus. Man, the Christmas story, so many times in our lives, it's a story. You can go to Toys R Us and buy a Lego kit and build your own nativity set. And listen, it's fun. And we teach about the shepherds and the wise men who came. And Mary, God bless her. We just gloss over that, right? She rode on a donkey and gave birth in a manger. Like, seriously, she wins the prize, right? Like, we gloss over that like, oh, Mary, no, oh, Mary, wow. You did that thing, sister, and we, we applaud you for that, right? And like in the midst of this Lego scene and, you know, on everything we have, this beautiful nativity set we put up in our front yards, on the fringes of that around it is surrounded the tragedy and the beauty and the sorrow of life all in one place at one time. We know that we have a Savior who can sympathize with us, right? Because he experienced suffering during his time. But even as an infant and as a child, life still existed. And there was the struggle of life is found even in the beauty of the nativity. My favorite verse any of my youth and youth group can tell you, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I love to remind myself of that. I have to remind myself of that, that God knows what he's doing and I don't. (laughs) And right now it may look ugly, but I know that God brings beauty from it. I know that he always does. So in this story, we have Herod, who is this king And we have Jerusalem and we have some magi, some outsiders, some Gentiles from the east. And all three of these groups converge in this one little chapter. And it's amazing how many prophecies are fulfilled in just 20 verses. Just these 20 verses, all of these people are wound together. And yet we're still focusing on one thing, and it is how do all of these people respond to the sign of Jesus being born, the sign of the Messiah. It's not even a response necessarily to coming to see him, right? Because at this point, no, they haven't seen him yet. This is all leading up to that moment. And so right now what we are looking at is how they are responding to a star. How they are responding to the hope and promise of the Messiah. All three of them. All three of these groups. And so I want to look really quickly at Herod himself today. I've subtitled this message, it's Herod, but it's also responding to the star. Let's look in verses 3 and 4 that we just read in Matthew. It says in these verses, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. 
He was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Why would Herod be disturbed? Well, remember, is he really king of the Jews? Is he a Jew? Does he have any actual entitlement to that title? No. None whatsoever. He is not from the lineage of either side of Israel or Judah in that line of kings. So he has no stake in it. The outside forces of Babylon have put him in control and given him the title of king of the Jews. It's not his. He knows he's on borrowed time. And when he hears that a Messiah is coming, now remember, he's not a Jew, so he doesn't know these prophecies. But when the wise men show up and say, a king has been born, the Messiah is come, man, there's fear that sets in. So why is he disturbed? He's disturbed because he could lose everything. And so he responds in anger and fear because he's about to lose, as far as he knows. Someone's about to come in and dethrone him. Someone's about to come in like David of the Old Testament and say, I have been ordained king and I'm taken over. And so he responds in fear. But it also says that all of Jerusalem was disturbed. Man, those are the people Jesus is coming for. Why would they be disturbed? Well, you know, it had been a really long time since they had heard any prophets. It had been a really long time since God had intervened on their behalf. And so let me tell you, it's really easy to miss the sign when you've quit looking for it. Any of y'all been on that road trip, right? And your job is to look for the exit, but then you start talking, and then if you're riding with a teenager, they start looking at Facebook on their phone, and then you're like, what exit was that? And they were like, oh, 53. And you're like, oh, wow, we're at 83. Like, we missed it. We missed it. Are you updated on everything? Because we missed the exit, right? So when we get busy and distracted and we quit looking for the signs, it's really easy to miss it. And so here you have all of the people of Jerusalem who know all of these prophecies and know a Messiah is supposed to be coming. And who sees the star? The Gentiles on the outside. They saw it first. In fact, they'd been following it for two years at that point. That star had been there for two years. In fact, Jesus was not an infant. I know, listen, I know the Magi are coming. When we have them in the, in the Christmas play, they come to the manger. Look, we cannot disrupt a million. Look, all the ladies playing in the church Christmas pageants around the world, we cannot disrupt this, okay? They're going to be in the Christmas play. But they did not show up till Jesus was two, okay? It's all right. It's like I told my kids. We don't know that Jesus was born on December 25th, but it's okay. Sydney was born on December 25th, but she celebrates her birthday in June because she wants a summer birthday. You know, it's okay. Some of those details are all right. (laughs) And so it's been two years that the star has been there, and yet no one has seen it. No one has acknowledged and realized that this is the sign. This is the one we're looking for. And these outsiders did. And so Jerusalem, why were they disturbed? Well, let me tell you, Herod was never a nice guy. It's not like this baby showing up is what made him snap. He's always been mean. He was cruel. He was not a kind ruler. And so let me tell you something. They were afraid of Herod's response to this. Because it was going to bring turmoil on them. But you know what? They had also lost sight, them too. They had lost sight of what the Messiah was. See, they thought this could mean a war 
someone coming in and taking over the throne. They forgot what King Jesus was. They forgot what the Messiah was. He wasn't coming in on a horse with a sword to take everybody out. It says he was coming in as the least of these. He was coming as a baby. Listen, they had lost sight of it. So this Christmas is coming, and we're looking at how do we respond to Christmas? Well, we respond by thinking, okay, I got, how do I want to pay for all these Christmas presents? Well, I got $2.65 in my bank account. You know, you're like, mm, okay, well, this family, I'm not going to see them until after Christmas, so maybe I'll get a gift card from this side of the family for Christmas, and then I can buy a present for that side of the family with my gift card. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay. Listen, we think about Christmas, we start thinking about the things we got to do and the people we got to see and some of the people we don't want to see and all those things. And we can miss the sign. We can miss the star in the midst of all of it. We can miss who the coming king is. And let me tell you, our world is full of Herods right now. They're full of people who are angry and stirring up trouble and seeking to take generations out in any way, shape, and form. And the enemy wants to distract us by what's going on in the world around us. And the enemy wants to make all of us sandpaper because I voted for so-and-so, but you voted for so-and-so. Oh, no, 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 no. And all we can do is there's sandpaper that's created and these Herods are rising up and it's becoming a place where we are angry and we are in turmoil and we have forgotten we just want Jesus to come and fix it and Jesus said I'm not coming to fix it like that this is how I am king this is how I am king let me tell you something I would love when we all love for somebody just to come down and take care of things right I'm gonna vote for Jesus how many of y'all saw those I'm gonna I'm voting for Jesus Jesus is not running in the election. He's not trying to be voted into this, right? Because what kind of king did Jesus come to be? You see, Jerusalem and Herod, they, they didn't understand who Jesus was, who the Messiah was going to be. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 61 at how the prophet described a coming king. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called right oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord on display of his splendor. This is the kind of king Jesus came to be, and they missed the star because they responded to that star with fear and with anger and with indifference. They knew the prophecy, but they didn't think that's what it was, and they were too afraid of what it could mean, and so they responded to the star with anger and indifference, and they missed it. And then we have the magi from the east, the outsiders. In verse 11 of what we've read, we hear how the Magi responded. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another way. They responded to the star with worship. And I read this little fact, and let this just sink into you. Right after the wise men came and they brought Jesus his gifts, right, it says that when they left, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, go to Egypt. And it says, when did they leave? That night. They left that night. Now, those of you who have ever had to pack up a baby, that was no easy task. Once again, we are glossing over Mary. Sister, can you imagine? Oh, the, the angel told you we're going where? And we going when? Where, I mean, sure. Let's go. Okay. Right? You got the pack and play. You got the car seat. You got all the. Like, listen, y'all know they left that night. You don't leave that night when you have an infant. You got to have a good three-day notice. You got to plan and prepare to go anywhere. You have to plan to go to the bathroom when you have an infant, let alone to go to a completely different country. And it says they left that night. Now, what had the wise men just shown up and given them? Gold and frankincense and myrrh, incense, expensive things. And so the very acts of worship were what provided for this travel. There's no way they were prepared and had money set aside and all of these things prepared to go to Egypt and stay. And yet the very acts of worship would have provided for them on that journey. And you look at these wise men and you think they were outsiders. We sing, we three kings of Orient are. We sing this little song about them. And yet they're the only ones in that moment who got it right. And not only that, but because they responded to that star with worship, God made clear to them how to get out and be safe. God provided for them a way out of danger and out of harm's way. They responded in worship. Listen, when it comes down to it, when this Christmas story, we all have a choice in how we respond. We know we think of how do we respond to the gospel. Do we accept Jesus? Do we turn away from Jesus? What do we do? But in this moment of Christmas, whether today if you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, this is your opportunity to make that profession of faith and say, I acknowledge my need for a Savior. But today, if you're here and you're a believer, we still have to make a choice how we respond to the hope of a coming Savior. Because listen, they were anticipating the Messiah returning to them, right? And it was coming as a baby, and he came. And now we live on this side of that, thank the Lord. But we are still in Advent and in anticipation for the coming of a Savior, right? We are waiting for that star and that moment that he splits heaven and returns for all of us. And so we must remember that we are no different than the children of Israel who were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. We must constantly be waiting and anticipating the coming of our Savior. And we must make a decision how we will respond to that anticipation. Will we respond in anger? Man, God, just come now and fix this. God's not doing what I want him to do. He must not be involved in this. He doesn't care about me. Are we going to respond in anger? Are we going to respond in indifference as the people of Jerusalem? This doesn't apply to me. This is not going to happen. Jesus is not coming in my time. He's not coming when I'm here. Or are we, like the Magi, going to make the decision that says, we see the star. We know he's coming. 
We don't know where. We don't know when. But we know he's coming. And so we are going to seek him until we find him. And we are going to worship him and we are going to offer him gifts of praise. We are going to offer him the worship of our life. We are going to offer him everything that we can. And we are going to seek him until we find him. And we are going to worship him. And we are going to trust that as we worship and as we give and as we acknowledge that he will make a way for us. He will prepare for us. He will guide us where we need to go because we will continue to seek him. And we will continue to search for him. And we will continue to worship him until the day that he returns. We have a choice in how we respond to that star. The story of our Savior is not without the struggle of life. In in verse 18, it says, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The Christmas story is beautiful, and it is tragic. You know, in reading and studying for this, another interesting point that was brought out is that in the story when Jesus goes back to his hometown to preach his first sermon, right, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Well, let me think about this. When he walked into that hometown, the son of Mary and Joseph, he would have been the only man his age because the whole generation was wiped out by Herod. When he walked into that hometown to preach that sermon, there were women who 30 years ago had lost their sons. There were fathers who did not have sons because they were taken from them. It would have been a hard pill to swallow to see Mary and Joseph's son walking back in. And listen, Grief is a hard pill to swallow. The unfairness of life is hard to swallow. The loss of someone too soon, it's unfair. It's never the right time. It doesn't make sense. Cancer and sickness, it's unfair. It's unfair that it seems, why do some suffer and why some not? Why are some not touched by loss, and why have I been so touched by loss and hardship? But we must be careful that we are not the men and women of Bethlehem who in our bitterness of life's hardships are willing to throw the Savior off a cliff and blind to hear him and see him when he comes. We can't let our bitterness block out that star. The Christmas story is beautiful, and it is tragic, and it is wonderful. And outside the edges where there was destruction and hardship going on, in the middle, there was Mary and Joseph and a beautiful baby of hope that was born in a manger. That king who would come not with a sword to tear people down, who would not come in to ride on and knock a king over. He was not going to come and fight battles like David did and tear down whole armies and set up a base camp and take over. No, the king was born, a king who would bind up the brokenhearted, who would change out ashes for crowns of beauty, who would love people and heal people and share hope and good news. And all of those who seek him find him. They did then and they still do today. All of those who seek him find him. Every person who seeks him finds him. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end.
No one can fathom it. But he has set eternity in our hearts, this desire for what is to come. And so we respond to the star. Thomas, if you would come. Today, I know we have this this evil man, Herod, just evil, blinded by his pride, blinded by not wanting to lose his kingdom. In the end, we know through the um, historian Josephus, we know how Herod died. It was a painful and gross death. Painful and gross. And when he died... Mary and Joseph returned with baby Jesus. They returned out of Egypt. Another prophecy fulfilled, I will call my son out of Egypt. I know it's not like the happiest. I feel like I should have like some guys like, all right, here come our wise men. Let's clap for them as they come with their gold frankincense and myrrh. Little little Christmas cheer to end the day. But listen, guys, this world is full of chaos, and we are not promised tomorrow, and neither are the ones that we love and cherish. And so let me tell you something. We are going to the world. We are not without trouble. We are going to experience things. We are going to experience hardship. But we have a choice as to how we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. Because in the center where hope blooms, there There will almost always be trouble on the outside. There will be hardship. There will be difficulty. There will be death. There will be diagnosis. There will be loss. And it will be there. But we have to remember that it is him who makes all things beautiful in its time. And it is him who holds this world in the palm of his hand. And there will be unanswered whys. But there is a star. And it is full of hope. And we must seek. And we will find. And we must worship and give gifts and trust that he will get us where we need to be. He is coming. He came once. He is coming again. And we must have anticipation for the coming of our Messiah. Because the next time he comes, it's for good. The next time that he comes, that's the end of it. He comes and he comes in a way that he's never come before. And there will be no more suffering. And there will be no more tears. And so we hope in the star of heaven and we will not be blinded by our anger. We will not be blinded by our indifference. We will not be blinded by the tragedy and the things that we have suffered through. We will not be blinded. We will follow that star and we will respond in worship to him. And so we have a choice to make in Christmas time man, Christmas presents are nice and trees are nice and things sparkle. But man, doesn't it always seem that this time of year it's hard. There are happy moments and there are hard moments. And twinkle lights and Christmas presents don't make it all better. But a Savior who was born in a manger, a Savior whose star represented a shift in the world, a change in the world. That's worth it all. So we're going to end today by just taking a moment to make a choice like the wise men and to worship. It's been hard these past month to worship. It's been hard to understand. 
It was hard to lose a friend at 32 years old. It was hard to think of my student being gone. It's hard to hear of the suffering of people that we love. It is hard. And yet there's beauty in the midst of it. We got to be here today. We get to fellowship with each other. We get to hug each other's neck and support each other through the hard times because there's a Savior who came and is coming again. Amen. Let's stand where you are today. Lord, we exalt you. We praise you. We make a choice and a decision today that, Lord, like the wise men, we will choose to find you. We will choose to seek you out and find you. And when we seek for you, we are found. You are found by us, and we are found by you. And so this morning, God, we shift our focus. We shift our focus from the anger and hardship of our sufferings. We shift our focus from the indifference and the busyness of life. We shift our focus onto hope. We respond to the coming Savior with worship and praise today. We exalt you, God, who came onto this earth as a baby, who raised up, who performed miracles, who died upon that cross for the salvation of our sins today, God. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Praise God. Wow, what a message of hope today. Thank you, Pastor Lindsay, for that. Amen. Did you receive hope out of that word today?